0: Welcome to Financial Detox with Certified Financial Planner and Founder of Intelligence-Driven Advisors, Jason Labrum. Jason and co-host Alex Klingensmith share ideas on how you can steer clear of toxic advice, achieve financial peace of mind, and manage your wealth for maximum impact. It's time for Financial Detox. Hello and welcome to the
1: Financial Detox podcast. I'm Jason Labrum, your host. With my co-host Alex Klingen Smith, and we're in the Intelligence Driven Advisors studio, right in Carlsbad, California. We're we're doing a podcast live from our studio. Oh, my phone's <laughs> vibrating. We are, and we were just talking about what it is. So, last Saturday, June first, first day of June, we had a radio show that went that aired on KCBQ, and we talked about stock picking versus evidence based investing. I've been calling stock picking conventional investing conventional meaning like you know my grandfather's the way you do that like my grandma's in an investment club yeah with they pick
0: stocks they They go literally i
1: love walmart it's gonna be uh, good dogs of the dow they bought alibaba (laughs) after it had peaked they know their performance is not great but they it's a fun hobby and they do it based on the conventional way literally they research individual companies come together as a group and talk about them over you know tea or whatever and and then then they they buy and pick them And And they they manage a million bucks. No way. And they buy at the top and they sell at the bottom. They buy randomly and sell randomly, but it's (laughs) it's fun. And it's conventional investing. Evidence-based investing is the alternative that we are proposing. Wouldn't that be today? more fun for them if they got together and came up with phenomenal baskets of stocks and ETFs and mutual funds that actually had great <laughs> performance? And then imagine like the grandma fund where they run a hedge fund of oh um, diversification fund of funds and they crush all the indexes and then they're like, on tv and they do grandma and all kinds of stuff this is this is a hobby i think it's like mahjong and investment committee. i want to start a business out of it <laughs> the grandma fund grandma fund
0: oh my gosh there's
1: got to be like a theory behind that we there's some what like the monkey theory monkeys throw darts grandmas pick good stocks I so on know. our radio show there's three <laughs> things we proposed three different studies separate and all different and interesting <laughs> not the grandma what fund was not one of them but no. one of them was the buffett bet yeah. Another one was the monkey study, yeah. And then the third one was the Dabar quantitative analysis. Well, and of I've got a fourth behavior. one. I'm just going to surprise on you. Drop, oh cool, I dropped my bomb. Was not on you? the radio show though, baby. No, no, it no wasn't. that is what are you what are you uh, showing me? This is the Investment Company of America, which is an American Funds uh, brochure. American Funds is a mutual fund company, and it just has some interesting stuff about what don't use very many American funds, although they're not bad. They're good funds, but it's got a cool th- story. So we're going to talk about it. American fund story is the fourth one. Okay. Yeah. So but, uh, the monkey one, I think we basically just argued ourselves out of even talking about that before the show. We already talked about it on the radio show. We can't just omit we it. We did. Well, monkeys throw darts and they did better than the benchmark because they ended up with small cap stocks. So here's the problem with right most benchmarks and index. It's a terrible recap, but okay. No, I what think is, that was great. Right? That's so, not even the right monkey story, but it wasn't. You Which monkey one, story were you talking about? The one that we saw that I saw at Dimensional. You were probably there with me. Help me. Your monkey story was not really supportive of what we're trying to prove here. I, I get that. But the one at Dimensional said, listen, if there's 10,000 stocks. How many are there in the world? 15,000 or something? There's a lot more publicly than that. traded stocks yeah, you can buy. Okay. So if you have, and if you put them all on a wall yes. and you had them all the same equally capitalized. Oh, I know what you <laughs> Versus dude. large, versus okay. cap-weighted. capitalization index. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love this. So stuff, there's two you- <laughs> monkey index. There's two monkey studies. So probably more than one. <laughs> probably more than two. But this one is that they throw darts, random monkeys literally. They took them and, and put them in a, in a focus group, right. these monkeys. They fed them, they took care of really good care of the monkeys. They had them throwing darts and then they tracked performance of the, the choices that they randomly did. The monkeys actually throw darts or did they simulate what would have happened? If I wasn't there. I don't think the monkeys threw the darts. <laughs> I don't think they really had monkeys throwing darts. First of all, I don't, can a monkey throw a dart? <laughs> Like technically their hands, are they capable of throwing a dog? I mean so is it the monkey study which simulates the dog? Oh man. Alex went into bed. We've never had a show where we just laughed. Oh boy, it's been a long week. All so right. I, don't I don't know, forgot. but either way, the dim- allegedly <laughs> in the study, they had some way to, to show this yes. happening. So Dimensional is okay. a pretty well-respected uh, evidence-based research-based <laughs> <laughs> investment fund management company. So I don't think they'd get up and talk about it if there wasn't some sort of way to prove it. Right. We can get you the study if you want. You know, email us. We can. Jason at financial. I think docs. we're com. delirious because you, oh, went, man, you, you went to bed at 12 and woke up at 4 and I'm just delirious because I'm tired. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. But the So there's two monkey studies. Let's go into the Buffett one because that, that one is a little bit more… A Clear paddle of what happened paddles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know there's a man named Buffett, and we know that he made him bad. He, he bet that the that hedge that fund that. industry ten years ago that he would uh, that he'd buy the S and P five hundred. Yes, he put a million bucks on the line, right. million dollars of real money from Berkshire Hathaway, American dollars, mm-hmm. and he said, "I bet you guys." And this is back in '08. I bet you that I will outperform you with this S and P five hundred index, uh, SP or what's the? It's, it's an SPI, yeah. Over a ten year period, right. And, and after did, nine years, they surrendered. They just quit. They they were so far behind, and it, they just couldn't come back. Well, you know what it makes me think of is that article we have, which if you want to get this... By the way, if you want to get a hold of us, it's 877-707-8889. If you want to call us, give us a call or check us out at financialdetox.com. Okay. So, the study that talks about the hedge of darkness, mm. and it was also put out by DFA, I think, but it shows how if you want to pay millions in fees and lose money, you invest in hedge funds because their game or scheme is to be wiser than the market and develop strategies and it's very... Sophisticated strategies, so they have to charge you tons of money—two percent and twenty. Two. They management. are sophisticated strategies. They are. It's confusing, true. complicated stuff. And the sad fact of the matter is, none of them outperform the benchmark really, unless we're in an extended down period. So they outperform during a bear market sometimes. Yeah, but then they never—they lose so much on the upside. It never works. Seems to. Never Those are work. harsh words. Never, and that's a good stuff point. like that. That's true because there are some really great performing hedge funds over long periods of time. I think Buffett yep. just just really – he's basically put his money where his mouth is, right? And he even has the advice he's given to his next generation of his own family that when you inherit this you know, vast amount of wealth – He told them to hire intelligence-driven advisors. <laughs> no, <didn't> he, he? – <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I think he said he buy index funds. He literally meant that. But I hope he doesn't because if they buy capitalization-weighted <laughs> index funds, then my monkey story <laughs> – Starts to make sense, right? Because my monkey don't, don't story, monkey <laughs> my monkey story will it. tell them they shouldn't buy the capitalization weighted index funds yeah. because it's not the best way to invest. In yeah. fact, I think that if you have an advisor who is just buying straight index funds, that you're actually that's not good. Well, so this you're is at a-, a disadvantage to to even somebody. No. if somebody did the stock picking perfectly, yeah. which they won't, but if they did stock picking perfectly, they would beat the index fund because they would end up with lower or, or lower taxes lower cost, costs, lower yeah. taxes, and they would also end up with smaller cap portfolios. So let's explain that though, because we're on a podcast here and this is fun. We have time, or mm-hmm. not? We don't have to take a break in three minutes. But <laughs> in on capitalization weighted index, so the S and P five hundred, the Nasdaq one hundred, the Dow Jones thirty. Those are capitalization weighted indexes where the largest stock in that basket of stocks gets the largest <laughs> weighting. So Microsoft, My- Amazon, Apple, Amazon, you know, Google, they end up with a large percentage of the total portfolio. So your portfolio if invested in a capitalization weighted traditional index is overweighted towards large company stocks. You don't have a lot of small company stocks where we know that historically, small company stocks, and particularly small company value stocks, have significantly outperformed the larger cap stocks. The number from 1928 is $1 invested grows to, I believe it's 4700 in large cap stocks, the S&P 500, and invested in small cap value, it grows to seventy. 7000. Sure. And the reason being because large companies have already experienced most of their growth cycle already and Amazon's not going to triple in size probably compared Maybe to a Amazon tiny will. Okay, well. <laughs> whereas like yeah. a Dexcom has tripled in size in 5 years. So right. like that there's more upside potential there. Yeah. And that's the reason being for that, right? Yeah. And then value versus growth, that's the monkey thing, but so, Buffett said, and he oh, put yeah, his, Buffett. I mean, so he's saying these hedge funds you're talking about that are individually picking stocks that are timing markets, right. predicting the future. Right. I think I can do better by be, buying a dumb, and I call them dumb indexes. No, no offense to them, but a dumb yeah. ind- versus smart versus, versus smart based, index yeah. or smart beta. They I, actually call them smart beta, right? Yeah. Which is what we would prefer to use. Anyone. I like Anyone. smart index since we have a trademark on that. That's a good one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, let's talk about. Um, so what, we, what are we talking about? We are talking about <laughs> <laughs> whether you should be trying to pick individual stocks, or whether you should be buying a general index, or whether you should be buying a smart index, or a factor-based portfolio, or whether it's some combination of the bunch of them, right? The problem is, which we talk about all the time, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the problem is most people make gigantic behavioral blunders when it comes to investing. That's why we created Financial Detox. And they make mistakes, which detracts from their long-term rate of returns in a huge way, in a way that is meaningful and erases wealth from them and their families. I mean, Dalbar proves it's 25 years in a row that right. come out with this research report that we oftentimes drop lots of pieces of this report. We actually yeah. have it for the podcast so we can be specific on this yes. this time. but more evidence. So uh, we like evidence. We like to say, okay, look, why do we, well, people the ask us like, why do you do it this way? You yep. just read our newsletter on that. Why, why you, I'm just checking you out for the first time. Like I get it, but I'm comfortable with what my grandpa used to do or my dad or yep. what I'm used to is buying Qualcomm or Chevron or whatever cool. Well, why would I do it your way? Well, because if you don't, here's like two or three evidence research, there's things that are going to show you you're probably not going to do as well. Probably. Yep. And Dalbar explores it and they they point all the way back to behavior. Yeah. We go way back. And then even looking at like to behavior and we we have very specific behavioral things that we can talk about a little bit if we want to get into it on the show. Yeah. Let's talk about some. I mean, even in 2018, the average equity fund investor underperformed the S&P 500 by 504 basis points, so they 5%, were- 5%. Yeah. In one year, they underperformed by 5%. Right. Average equity, so average stock fund, so people- Right. With negative and without, 4.3 for the S&P 100 versus negative 9.4 for the average fund investor. So the study now, talks about people with and without advisors buying stock mutual funds. Right. And that's a problem is, okay, so then if I had a global equity fund portfolio, sure, I'm down more because international was down more last year. But when you look at this over longer periods of time, Mm. the data to me becomes more reliable because over a longer period of time, a global equity portfolio should do better than the S&P 500. We know it has. Right. But yet investors who invested in funds did not do as well. Um, even as the S&P 500, let alone did they do as well as a global equity portfolio? So that's crazy time. So let's talk about the emotions, right? The things, the behavior. They So they call it investor psychology, right? In the report, which we refer to all the time. A lot of times it's referred to as behavioral finance. So what are the the mental things, the behavior or the psychology that can cause you to mess up? How about loss aversion? Mm. So expecting to find high returns with low risk. That's easy, right? Oh my gosh. How many Bitcoin. times do we see that? <laughs> right. Expecting to find high returns. We had a client today who was in the office and talked about, well, I just don't like the risk. I'm concerned about the market. And then in the same breath, he said, I, I would like I'd like to get higher returns. I need higher returns. Well, you, you actually don't need higher returns. Your plan's doing great with the returns you're expecting to get right now. But literally said, I want higher returns with lower risk. In one sentence. Did you tell him he was a loss aversionist? I didn't. Go there. Um, <laughs> narrow framings, another one. Making decisions without considering all implications. People do that all the time with real estate, which we did a show on uh, today, You know where they say, oh, real estate's always great. It always goes up and they go and buy it. And then they don't think about the fact that they're going to have maintenance on that property. They don't think about the HOA or they don't think about the, oh, I got to pay a property manager or else I got to answer the phone at 12 o'clock at night when the plumbing starts leaking and... Yeah, you know, those are, that would be a narrow framing. Mm-hmm. How about mental accounting, taking undue risk in one area and avoiding rational risk in another? Uh, I love that one. Here's that. I'm going to buy an annuity that's principal guaranteed. And because it sounds so good and safe, I'm going to say, but yet my average annual return is going to be 3% as opposed to 8%. you are paying for the risk or paying for the insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Around the risk. These are interesting. This, we could go on. There's about 11 of them. So call us and get the report if you want check yeah. us out at financialdetox.com really, how many pages yeah. is that thing let me count <laughs> one two there's, it's 11 pages okay 11 i think i said seven so i wasn't that far off but it's no. not daunting like the, like the first page is off. a bunch of pictures and things <laughs> well there's like some big <laughs> pictures in there so it's like seven pages of actual reading but it's worth reading for like the 20 minutes it would take to read it because it'll it'll basically force you to be honest with yourself Right. But if you're thinking about either hiring an advisor or you're already working with an advisor who does engage in right. conventional investing i think it's a really powerful piece of evidence to support why you shouldn't do that? Well, I think the best piece of evidence is not only this because this this shows you why even mutual fund investors this shows you why investors make mistakes. Yeah, why, why investors perform poorly. It doesn't really specify why picking stocks. What specifies uh. why picking stocks performs poorly? Which we have this is looking at how the best mutual fund managers in the world, so these are the stock pickers, how they have performed versus the broad benchmarks, right? So we can show empirical evidence that the best money managers, quote-unquote stock pickers in the world, don't outperform their benchmarks. In fact, there's some studies through SPIA, Standard & Poor's Index Association, that will show That if you take all the mutual funds that beat their index over a 10-year period and then keep them in their exact same category and make them continue to do what they are supposed to be doing, and they said they did the first 10 years, that less than 2% will actually outperform the index the subsequent 10-year period. And the first wave was 85% purge or something, right? 15% outperformed. 15% actually did better than what they were supposed to. On the first run, which can purely be attributed to luck. And then the subsequent 10 years is 2%, which could actually be attributed to luck again. So 85% and 98% don't so Those are worse odds events. than getting into Harvard or something. Like that's how becoming not an good. NFL player. like That's like not what good. You're talking So these about. are supposedly the biggest research institutions in the world that think they have the greatest minds and, and they can pick stocks and they actually don't outperform. Here's another one. Here's a cool one. So basically... ICA, American Funds, a stable, tried-and-true mutual fund company, they they do a great job. I don't think it's the best solution, but I think it's a a very good solution in a lot of situations. But they took the Dow 30 and they basically had you pick out on a sheet. If you could have invested, if you could have, this is with hindsight, $10,000 in any five of these companies 73 years ago, which ones would you own? And you kind of go through and say, what have you done? And it's very interesting that any one of the companies individually underperformed the whole of them, but yet if you put them all together uh, and you bought the basket, or you had, excuse me, if you had a whole basket of securities, oh my gosh, like you an performed, index. you performed second. There was only one pick out of thirty. Who was one? Who won? That out, Altria, Big Mo, Altria, cigarette company. Look, yeah. So. Anyway, that was the best performing, and this is a few years old, but that was the best performing stock over that 73-year period. And so even though you would have picked from all these stocks, and they all look like great companies and great names... Only one of them outperformed a broad benchmark of you know a, a diversified portfolio. A so they're making the of case of buying a mutual fund versus individual stock totally. picking. It's interesting because they're known, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but American Funds is known as an active fund management company, right? They are, but they've become so big, they're almost an index because they're just huge, right? And they, they have a hard time, I think, moving positions because they have such big positions. Yeah. But yes, they are an active money manager, but they're also not one who tries to chase hot dots. They talk about their tried and true philosophy and time tested and that they stay disciplined. I like that. They have a reputation as coming up as maybe a a more active fund management. So they're not only trying to prove the point of being diversified in a mutual fund structure or ETF maybe, but also that you can't even pick them in with hindsight. So don't try. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah it's not going to work. You're not going to outperform by picking individual stocks. So I think that's the point is that you know th- there, there's an easy way to do this. And it, I guess it depends on what your goal is. If you're trying to create financial peace of mind and results, then you seek out the most data-driven, evidence-based way proof. Well, how can I stack the odds in my favor? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're really seeking results If you're trying to become a great poker player, you're going to figure out how to stack the odds in your favor. And then you play a lot of times and you end up winning. With investing, we play every day. We stack the odds in our favor. And if we do that the right way long enough, we're going to come out doing really well because we're stacking odds in our favor, which is the same thing as saying, create, use evidence-based investing right? Right. and data-driven. So we believe that you can And will do better by having a basket, a diversified basket, but you have to focus on controlling costs within that. Right. You have to focus on controlling tax within that. And things have changed. You know, the, your grandfather's mutual fund was one that had a 2.2% internal expense and it was terribly tax inefficient. And that's why I think they have such a bad rap. However, the new school version of and current modern, the right type of funds can be smart index based so they're getting you exposure to broad markets not in a capitalization way like we talked about at the first of the show yeah but instead of a fundamental way and, and the cost the cost of actually if you come know down how to, yeah if you know how to focus on what you're supposed to focus on and not get you know caught up in the bright shiny lights of there's some fun companies out there i heard today there's a negative fee etf they'll pay you to have your money no, I'm not kidding. It's and it's going to be that way until a certain until they reach a certain you know yeah. AUM or whatever of the fund, right? Maybe the first billion or whatever. I yeah. don't know what the number is, but it, it's negative. I mean, so Fidelity came out with the zero, right? It's literally right. zero internal expenses right? for like a S and P 500 fund or something, mm-hmm. right? So there's so much decompression now. Why are they? It, how can they afford to do that? Right? That's what you always have to ask yourself if you're right. an investor. Like, okay, cool. So I'm going to listen to Jason on Financial Detox podcast. I'm going to go buy the zero or the negative, the the, yeah. the literally one they pay me for. But wait a minute! What's really going on there, right? What's, right? And how can they do that? And what other stuff are you going to get caught up in? So, right. the first step. Well, is, and also, do you even <laughs> want that capitalization weighted index? Because I would you talk- recommend you don't. You know, I would recommend not. Step one's kind of accomplished though—that we've gotten you over the hurdle of like maybe not picking stocks and timing markets is the best thing. Right. Step two is okay. Getting once you're there, then which ones do you buy? Right. And even if they're really cheap and low tax, are they still the right? You know, is there something else hidden right. in there? And step three would be then figuring out the asset allocation within those options. Step four would be what is the right one for you and your plan? Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, what is your plan? Like, what is you? Not everybody, but what is your life? How much risk do you need to take? And if you want a side account that you do the grandma, the monkey, the mad money, the gambling thing, you just do that on the side because it's fun. The Bitcoin. don't, Don't mess with your real money and your large chunk of money with doing that. So I think you summarized it well. I think we can go home. (laughs) <laughs> okay what do you think <laughs> drop the mic actually they're on drop little the stands you can't even do that yeah you can't drop these we could throw them over no let's just leave them all right maybe so for financial <laughs> detox we are here to help you make better decisions we're here to help you purge yourself of the behavioral blunders that most investors make destroying their long-term rates of returns and just helping you do better personally, and financially for yourself and your family. We'd love you to check us out online at financialdetox.com. You can check out our radio show also, financialdetox.com. You can listen to it on KCBQ AM 1170 or FM 96.1. That's San Diego, The Answer. And our show's on Saturday at 1.30, but it's easier just to grab it with no commercials on the podcast at financialdetox.com. So I'm Jason Labrum, your host. Thanks for listening. Feel free to give us a call anytime. We'd love to help you as the Financial Detox team at Intelligence Driven Advisors. And signing out here with Alex. Thanks, buddy, for all your time. Yeah, man. We'll catch you on the next
0: show. All
1: right. Bye-bye.
0: The content of this radio show is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any types of securities. Mr. Labrum and intelligence driven advisors are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of information provided in this radio show and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Mr. Labrum and his guests as of the date of the show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statements or forecasts are based on assumptions and actual results may vary from any such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making any investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on the information provided today in making any investment decision. There is a risk of loss from investing in securities including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for a particular investor's financial situation or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.